Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 106, and it's titled The 12 Worst Behaviors in Relationship. How many do you do? So, one of the things that that makes uh, our show a little easier is we spend time around friends and, of of course, clients, and we listen to their stories, all their dating stories, the relationship stories, all of this stuff. And I honestly have to say, eight times out of ten, it's a train wreck. (laughs) And from that, we get all these ideas for the show. So that makes the the show a little easier. And in this case, the ideas that we were getting recently were people were telling us their relationship stories. And it was like, wow, that was really bad behavior. Mm -hmm. That was like absolutely the worst thing that you should do in a relationship. And so what we did was we compiled a list of these bad behaviors that we see repeatedly that we think are really really quite poor. And here's the thing. Some of them you're going to go, yeah, of course. And some of them you're going to go, oh, I didn't realize that was so bad, right? And so there are things that are happening in your relationship that you may not even realize are having a negative effect. Now, we like to try to be positive on this show also. So this is going to sound like kind of a negative list. But just remember that the positive is don't do these things. If you want to know the positive, just do the opposite of each one of these things we're talking about. Absolutely. And we'll give you some examples as always. Uh, But before we dive into the worst relationship behaviors, uh, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Power and Mastery. If you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men. Whether you want to have harder, stronger erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is going to be something for you at powerandmastery.com. So go check it out. All right. We've actually got a pretty good list here, so we're going to dive right in. The first one is one that has come up multiple times with friends of ours who are in relationship, and it is the mother-son relationship. Oh, boy. You want to explain to the audience what we mean by the mother-son relationship? Absolutely. So we're diving right into this, right? We're going straight to the core of so many issues. It is actually a sneaky behavior that a lot of women do not realize that they are doing. Most women are mothers in life. And so, you know, you will show up towards your kid with, you know, you, you'll say little nice things or cute things, endearing things. You'll be like soothing them, loving on them, like different behaviors. And for a lot of women, they find it difficult to transition from that behavior to I'm a lover, I'm a wife, I'm a, I'm a partner, whatever your label is in that relationship. And they bring it these motherly qualities to their relationship. So what I mean by that, and I have seen so many of my girlfriends act this way. They will call their man a boy. I'll say, oh, he's such a cute boy. And I'm like, well, no, he's not, he's not a boy. He's a man, right? Or they will 
it's it's subtle in how they do it, uh, but it's simply in how they interact. Oh, aren't you just so cute when you do this? Or like they're really starting that dynamic of that there's a mother and a kid here and not really two adults that are interacting. Yeah, so this the, the worst part about this is it absolutely destroys polarity, mm-hmm. right? So there's no longer that strong masculine and strong feminine polarities there that a successful relationship really needs. And if you want to know more about polarity, just go watch our episode 100, I believe, where we really go deep into that. This, this manifests in so many different ways, one of which is exactly what you said. If you're referring, if you're a woman and you're referring to your grown adult, you know, male partner as a boy, that's not a good sign. Mm-hmm. He's not a boy. He's a man. And nor does he want to be called a boy. Mm-hmm. Right. So those sort of like cute, oh, he's such a cute little boy. Or, yeah, like mm-hmm. you literally hear 40 year old women mm-hmm. talking about their 40 year old men partners Mm -hmm. and calling them cute little boys. Mm -hmm. And then there's the whole sort of power dynamic of she always has to take care of him like he's a child and he's not responsible for himself. That's Mm -hmm. another way that it shows up, right? Or it shows up that he's trying to win his mother's affection by behaving like a good boy and by doing good things and like expecting her to reward him with this motherly love in a sense and I've seen that where the man will just like kind of like behave in like please grant me your unconditional love because I was lacking this one when I grew up so now I'm transferring all my needs onto you so it goes both ways it does I would say I have seen it more often the woman treating the man like a boy then I do see the man acting like a boy and seeking the woman's approval. That, yeah. That's just my personal observation. I don't know if there's any statistical significance to that, but that, that's what I observe more in the people we know. Super destructive behavior... It kills the polarity in your relationship. Mm-hmm. And remember, though, it takes two to tango. So if that's a behavior that she's not aware that she's doing, it is your responsibility to call it out and say, hey, when you refer to me, I'm your man, I'm your stud. And that's going to lead to our number two coming up here. Uh, but you set your boundaries here. And so number two of those behaviors that are really not good for your relationship is how you call each other. And while it's very sweet to call each other like boo-boo, soo-soo, me-me, whatever, (laughs) a cutesy little thing, baby, you know, um... Again, and and it is something that we've talked about in the past in previous shows, it is not something that is going to be making your relationship a juicy, sexy relationship. When you just like, you're my big, lovey, cuddly bear, it's usually not a turn on unless you're really into cuddly hairy bears and then (laughs) sure that's your sexual kink go for it but otherwise pay attention how do you call your partner and and then do you infanticize them all the time or Uh, not and that's the key like it's one thing if you call somebody a a big teddy bear you know Mm -hmm. that's one thing but it's another thing when you're calling them all these cutesy little child names Mm -hmm. again right because what is that doing that's that's infantilizing the person Mm -hmm. that's projecting on them again, that they're not a a conscious grown adult, right? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, most people are not consciously doing this at all. Like, I I imagine there's at least a portion of you listening to this right now going, oh, come on, like, you're making way too big a deal. It's just a cutesy little name, Mm -hmm. right? Some of you, I'm sure, are thinking of that. 
But over time, this actually does have an effect on your relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I don't know if there, you know, anyone listening is into um, the, um, the whole idea of like sort of creating your reality or the law of attraction kind of stuff, but you realize that what you constantly say, what you're constantly thinking about, what you're constantly doing is what you're creating in your life, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're constantly calling somebody a cutesy little name, you know, especially if the woman's constantly calling the man the cutesy little name, what is she going to get? She's going to get a cutesy little partner. But what does she really want? She wants a fucking man. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And by the way, that goes the same for your genitals. A lot of people are uncomfortable with their body parts. And so they put these silly little names for their genitals just to get more comfortable with them. And Again, it's not serving you. Like anytime you like have to regress in order to be able to be comfortable, it's not going to serve a grown-up relationship. Yeah. So by the way, nicknames are perfectly fine. We have a ton of nicknames for each other, mm-hmm. but we don't have cutesy little like baby nicknames, yeah. right? Like so- nicknames are like super powerful sex goddess, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know. I called you like Master Cock or Super Stud or my sex god or like I come to you and say sexy, super sexy, Kevin. I mean, there's a lot of different ones. We were very, uh, very specific from the start that we didn't want to call each other baby. Like there was just this energy to it. They were like, yeah, you know, and every now and then there might be a babe, you know, that comes in because that's okay. But it's more like the intention. It feels so different when I call Kevin like, ooh, my super stud versus my cuddly bear. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh There's something different I want to do with each one of those. So remember, what do you want in your relationship? Probably passion and... And And great sex. And great sex, exactly. So let's move on to our third behavior here. Um, And I think that's a biggie. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We've seen this one quite a lot in couples too. Mm -hmm. So what what we have on the list here, and it might take a little explaining what we mean. It says, complaining you can't do something because of your partner. So what we have seen in couples is one person generally in the couple says something like this. Well, you know, I was going to change my career and go do this thing, but I can't because my partner, blah, 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 blah. Or I want to go out and do this particular things, but I can't because she's not going to like it. Yeah, I mean, so the she's not going to like it part is like, okay, there might be some reality to that. Mm-hmm. But the biggest problem I see with this one is where people kind of, they create false excuses to keep them trapped in their own behavior patterns by projecting it on the other person, that it's the other person's job, personality, uh, you know, all kinds of reasons why they can't do that. Like, well, I wasn't able to focus you know, energy on building my own business because I needed to help her. Mm-hmm. Which might have been true at some point. And for for me, it was a relationship of mine that was like this, where there was a time I needed some more support and help. But then I came to a point where I said, oh, this was great. Thanks for everything you've done for me. Like, I don't need you for that particular purpose anymore. Let's move on. And he was not able to let go of that. Like he constantly kept wanting to be like, I still want to show up as this person and do all of these things for you. And then it's like, I can't do that because I'm putting so much energy into your things. And I'm like, I'm not asking you to. I don't want it, actually. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you'll see that, too. And honestly, 
I mean, sometimes it, it looks like it's coming from a good place because mm-hmm. they want to help. And actually, sometimes it is. And it's also used as a self-sabotage form. Mm-hmm. It's an excuse for them to not do what they should do or what they need to do in their own life or mm-hmm. in the relationship itself. And it's a convenient excuse. Yeah, very well said here, Kevin. All right, so let's move to our number four. And this one is such an interesting thing. And there's something where the person is saying, like, there's always something wrong with you. And so it's also slightly tied into the previous one, but also different. So whether it's like, um, it could be something as simple as, I don't know, you never dress well. Okay. You hear a lot of women say that, oh my gosh, you always look like you're a surfer bomb. Like you don't dress up well, or it could be like, well, uh, you're, you never like, you never like defend me in conversations when we're with people, you know, you always take the side of the other person, you know, and it's like, anytime you're like always or never, (laughs) that there's a a sentence that starts with this, you know that it's not going to go well, and it's most likely a projection. But when it's always about you, (laughs) when it's like, this is you, you're doing something wrong, that doesn't work. Yeah, and you know, this is often called criticizing, right? It's like... (laughs) It's like every time you have something to say, it's always a criticism about how they could have done better or how they didn't do something or how something, you know, you this, you that is Mm -hmm. rather than turning the table on that and always praising and recognizing the good things that Mm -hmm. they do. So it's so interesting you're saying this, Kevin. I just remembered an example from our own life that happened a few days ago. So I am a very blessed human who's always very juicy and ready to have sex. And we have very little manual foreplay. We have a lot of like foreplay in our um, talking and the behaviors like we always talk on the show about the constant arousal. So that goes throughout the day. But we don't really like uh, do a lot of like massaging or licking pussies or things like that very long and so it's kind of like a somewhat of a joke where like well I don't really get foreplay so we always just like go straight to sex and have sex for a long time and and I was making a lot of like little jokes about well yeah because we don't do foreplay anyway you know and then um, Kevin brought you brought it up and you were like well you know it's starting to kind of sound more like a complaint than a uh, a, a joke, joke at this point because see it was a very subtle little way and we do that where we kind of joking about and I you know I heard this and I was like oh wow this is really not what I want to do like inside me I'm like oh no that's not what I'm trying to do and then we had this really great discussion because I was able to like switch gear like instantly and I thought oh no I don't want to do this to my husband that's not what I want to create okay I need to focus on the positive so right away I went like oh this is all the things that you do that I love so I started to list all the different things that he does that I love and then I broke it down into actually when I'm saying like foreplay really what I want is just to have my pussy stroked a little bit and have a few acupressure points and I want to be able to have that feeling when my pussy is like I want to beg you to penetrate me (laughs) before you penetrate me so and here's the thing about how subtle this can be Mm -hmm. because the reality is we have tons of foreplay. We have spontaneous blowjobs all throughout the day. You lick my pussy anytime I say right, something, like right? Like there's there's tons, and it's not even just oral sex. There's hands uh-huh. all over each other. There's tons of foreplay, but because we're able to have sex for an hour or two or three or our record of six or whatever <laughs> it was, five or six. I don't even it remember. It was six actually. Yeah, 
Um, because of that, and because we can go through these amazing wave after wave of just ecstatic sexual energy, we tend not to focus so much on all of the like, okay, I'm going to finger you for 10 minutes. The mechanics, the and you're gonna, <laughs> Yeah, because our penetrative sex is so amazing and, mm-hmm. and spectacular. Um, and because of that, it has become a joke between us in the relationship. Like, ha, 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 we don't really do that much foreplay. Mm-hmm. Even though if you really think about it, we do because there's foreplay going on all throughout the day. Um, but and that's why I say it's so subtle. Even though we're both in agreement, mm-hmm. even though we're both feeling completely sexually satisfied, just saying that little joke over and over again started to be heard by me as a complaint, mm-hmm. even though that's not the way it was intended. Absolutely. And so that's, these are the little things. So I know you might be saying, well, I'm not doing, telling the person he's doing something wrong or she's doing something wrong. But look at the, those subtle ways sometimes that we make little insinuations and we're not always exactly speaking up for what we want. So let's move on to our number five here. And that's a big one in relationships. And it's a really, really bad behavior. If you are always hoping and waiting for them to change, get the heck out of that relationship, really. I mean, that's, a, that's just what it is. You cannot change your partner. Your partner changes when and if they decide they want to change. Mm-hmm. And that's really what it comes down to. This, you know, this is pretty stereotypical, and I think a lot of people are familiar with it already, and it tends to happen. It happens on both sides. I think it tends to happen a little bit more on the woman's side, where she goes, oh, he'll change. Well, I'll the, change him. Yeah, but then the guy's like, please make her not change. Like, <laughs> let her stay as sexy and sexual as she is. Well, that's the opposite side, mm-hmm. which is like, hey, who I signed up for in the beginning is who I want f- till the end of time, right? That's, <laughs> that's more of the guy's side, but the women's side is more like... Well, yeah, he's messy, but he'll change. Or, yeah, he doesn't really give me a lot of affection, but he'll change. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, he looks at other women, but he'll change. And then, I mean, I could give you a hundred examples of mm-hmm. those types of things. Very bad behavior because, no, no, they won't change. Mm-hmm. Who they are is who they are. And unless they have a ton of motivation on mm-hmm. their side and they want to change themselves, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's the important point you're bringing. You can't change somebody. It has to be an internal decision. And yes, we all evolve and change and there will be something that changed, but it has to come from within. If not, it's never going to be a long lasting change and then it builds resentment. So if you are constantly hoping and waiting for that partner to change, to show up differently, um, it's not a good behavior. So you either have to come to term with who they are and be 100% okay with this, or you simply have to change relationship. Yeah. And and what's the question we always ask? ask clients in this situation well if nothing would change in your relationship and you look down like three years down the road would you still say that you're happy exactly Mm -hmm. exactly yeah could you say three years from now if nothing about that person changed would you be happy and and in almost every case when we have this discussion if they really think about it they go no Correct. So then that's when you have to do something to change. Either change change yourself because you can't change the other or change the relationship if it still doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number six on the list, keeping score. And there's a lot of different ways you can keep score in a relationship. Okay. So let's go over a couple of the different ways in which people tend to keep score in their relationship. One is, have you ever had an argument with your partner and they say, yeah, but you did such and such a thing. And you're like, 
that was 15 years ago. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? That's when we first started dating. We've been married. We've had two kids. Like, that was 15 fucking years ago. And you're putting that, you're throwing that back in my face. That's one version of keeping score. Keeping track of all the little things that you didn't do right or mm-hmm. that you didn't do the way they wanted you to or all the little times you said the wrong thing. And then you bring those back later on. Here's my scorecard right here. I've been marking it all down. I know everything you've done. (laughs) Right? Terrible. Absolutely horrible behavior. Now, if it was just yesterday, maybe it could be relevant to what you're talking about today. But things that are in the past, they're in the past. In other words, people change. People move on. It's like, yeah, you know what? In the beginning of our relationship, maybe I didn't say or do quite the right things, but I've learned from that and I've moved on. Have I done it since? Mm-hmm. Right? No. So why is this coming back up again 10 mm-hmm. years later? Absolutely. Five years later, even a year later. Right? Well, and again, it's like, okay... I went down on you, so now you have to get oh, to go down on me. That's the next version, yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, I gave you this, or I initiated sex, so now it's your turn to initiate sex. And like, honestly, if you want to have a good sex life, you can't be tracking these things. Oh, this is another one that we see a lot. We're like, but I initiated sex the last five times, and I'm not, I'm not going to do anything until he finally does it. <laughs> Right? No, seriously. I mean, this happens a lot, right? It's like, no, 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 no. This then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, Mm -hmm. you feel that you've done it too many times, so you're not going to do it. You're going to sit there and you're going to wait and you're not going to say anything. You're not going to tell them that this is what you're doing or this is what you want because you want to see if they'll do it, mm-hmm. right? But it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because they don't do it and then you don't get what you want and then resentment builds up on your end, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, well, fine, if, if it's going to happen, then I'm going to have to do it, right? Now there's more resentment on top of that, right? And so, then sex isn't good. And, oh, it's yeah. just horrible. So one of the rules of relationship is always to give more than you take, the 60-40. Give 60, take 40, but that both partners do that. Mm-hmm. And if you're really paying attention, it balances out. There are areas where maybe I do more things or initiate things more in certain ways. And there are areas where Kevin does more things or initiates more for those things. And there are times in life where maybe I've got a bad month for my hormones are off whack and I can't seem to have like the libido I usually have well just tough luck and you start to take over the thing and then I come back into balance and then I'll initiate sex again I mean this it's just understanding that we human beings we go through stressful time hormonal changes and sometimes we just have to adjust yeah and we, we also talked in our polarity episode about you know it's not like well you took the trash out last time, uh, or I took the trash out last time, mm-hmm. so it's your turn to do it this time. Mm-hmm. There, there doesn't have to be this 50-50 keeping track of, well, I did one thing, you do one thing. I do mm-hmm. one thing, you do one thing. That's not the way it works in relationship. Absolutely not. So this is a really bad behavior to eliminate right away. Mm-hmm. So the following behaviors are linked to how you communicate and how... Um, well, yeah, it's really around your communications. The, the next one's on the list. Exactly. Like seven, eight, yes. nine. This is really, you know, what I want to bring is the following ones that are going to be all around your way that you communicate. So ultimately, it's about having good communication skills that you need to develop. If you don't have that, some of the behaviors that we're about to give to you will show up. Yeah. Let's go into our... our uh sponsor before we sort of slightly change gears into communication style type problems. Okay, awesome. So we 
If you are a committed couple who is stuck in a rut and just going through the daily motions instead of connecting the way you used to, and you're tired of stale mechanical sex that lacks spontaneity and fun and you don't want to live a life of average, then we'd like to invite you to join a highly sexed power couple platinum program. So if you give Kevin and I 90 days, we will help you bring the passion back between the sheets and be synced up sexually so that you can thrive with more purpose and passion in your life. So you can find more about our platinum program at celineremy.com forward slash passion. All right. So let's jump back into the list here with number seven, which is passive aggressiveness. Oh, oh, this is one of the worst ones ever for me. (laughs) Passive aggressiveness. I think everybody pretty much understands what passive aggressiveness is. But just in case you don't, just to give you an example, it's it's behavior where you seem like you're being nice and yet you're really not. I don't know if that's the best way to, to explain mm-hmm. it, but it's like you see people that, oh, she's so sweet, but there's all these little things little underneath the surface, these little are... daggers <laughs> that are constantly being, and they're subtle and you don't see it. Sometimes it's even behind your back. But it's all these little passive aggressive things. Mm-hmm. You know, look, if you're angry, just come out and be angry. Let somebody know you're angry and let them know why. Communicate. Mm-hmm. But this whole sort of pretending that everything's okay mm-hmm. and then subtly sabotaging and sticking those daggers in underneath the surface behind the person's back just destroys a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we'll talk more about arguing too in, in a couple, uh, in, in a few minutes. Number eight is giving ultimatums. <laughs> and this is such a huge one. I do see it mostly again uh, from women where they're like, if this doesn't happen, then the relationship is over. Oh, yes. I've had this personally in my life. Mm-hmm. I was uh, dating somebody and we weren't dating for all that long, at least at this time. And, you know, we were still trying to figure out how we were going to be in relationship together. And she had a kid. And so that complicated things a little bit as far as living situations and work and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And one day she's like, well, look, if we're not living together by, I forget what it was, like two years, three mm-hmm. years, whatever it was, she's like, then I'm out of here. And I was like, I looked at her and I was like, this doesn't have anything to do with time. Mm-hmm. This has to do with how are we relating? How can we make this dynamic between the three of us work? That's mm-hmm. what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's not about a time period. Yeah, it could be in three years. It could be in two years. It could be in one year. It could be in five years. Mm-hmm. Like we need to figure out how we can do this right, mm-hmm. you know? But she laid down the ultimatum, and I was like, uh, no. So one thing that happens when people are like, okay, then you put in ultimatums, you can't take it back. And when it's been heard, sometimes the other person can surprise you and take action. And then they might just disappear. They might be like, well, whatever. And they they ever get into another relationship. They call off this one. When you're also saying, if this doesn't happen, then I'm out. You're actually saying that you're not yet fully in yourself into that relationship. And so if you don't give 100% to the relationship, you've never given it your best. And so that is one of the worst behaviors that you can do. Not giving it your 100% of yourself and holding back. It's like, why even try if you're doing it half-ass, right? (laughs) Well, and and again, it becomes a Mm self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You're not 100% in. 
So you're not nurturing the relationship mm-hmm. as well as you could be. Because that nurturing's not there, the other person's feeling like, well, I'm not going to take that whatever step mm-hmm. you want me to take because I'm not getting it back from you. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't get to where you want to go. And ultimately, it will kill the relationship. Right. And then you reach the ultimatum, yeah. right? <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It is crazy what human behavior will do. <laughs> Because if, if you really stopped and thought about these things and thought about where this would eventually lead in the end, you'd have to be insane to do these things. Mm-hmm. But people do them all, all the, time. the time. So if you find that you're doing some of these things, um, I, I didn't mean to just call you insane. <laughs> but maybe what it really means is, is you never really thought about how these things are affecting your relationship. Mm-hmm. If you have thought about it and you understand and you're still doing it, then you're insane. <laughs> <laughs> but if not, then you might be doing some changes and you yeah. won't be insane. So our number nine here is jealousy. And I think at some point we should do a whole episode on jealousy. We should give it a whole thing, but also bring in an expert or something like somebody else, because neither you or I really um, experienced jealousy and it's very interesting because it's not a a feeling <laughs> that I've really experienced. So have I ever felt insecure, um, especially when I was in open relationship and my partner had another woman and then I was like, oh my gosh, like, am I feeling insecure? But it was insecurity. Like, I think oftentimes jealousy is in umbrella term, but there's something deeper underneath. It's because there's a need that's not being met. It's something more that's going on. And if you can go to that, then you don't need to go through the jealousy part. You could go straight to what's really going on underneath. But the jealous behaviors, especially when they uh, give ultimatums and box the partner in, like, I'm so jealous that you can't look at other woman or you can't have male friends now that you're married to me or this type of things because I can't handle this are not good behaviors. Yeah. And you know, okay. So jealousy usually has to do with this feeling of not feeling safe in the relationship, Mm -hmm. right? So there are things that your partner could do to make you feel more safe without a doubt. And people need to realize that jealousy is most of the time, the majority of it is coming from within yourself, mm-hmm. right? So it's something that you yourself have to deal with. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out how can you deal with these feelings that you're feeling? And are these feelings even rational? Because I can tell you, even though I don't really experience much jealousy, I mean, I've experienced a little bit of jealousy here or there, but it all always had to do with not feeling particularly safe in a, mm-hmm. in a relationship. But I have had partners who experienced a lot of jealousy. Mm-hmm. And no matter how hard I tried to make them feel safe, even being aware of that, going, okay, I understand what's happening mm-hmm. here. It, it, in, in one relationship I can think of off the top of my head, it literally, it got to the level of um, irrationality. Mm. In other words, no matter what I did to make them feel safe, no matter what I did to try to reassure them, mm-hmm. like nothing could override the jealousy, mm-hmm. right? And it gets to the level of, of literally there's no, there's no reason for it mm-hmm. and there's no rationale behind it. 
yeah. right? But it's there nonetheless, right? And so one mm-hmm. of the things we always talk about when, when talking about jealousy is, you know, one person will say, you have no reason to be jealous, so therefore jealousy doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, 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 there may not be a reason for it, but yet it's still there. Mm-hmm. So it's still something that you have to deal with. Yes. Um, and that that's the tricky thing is, is, is why is it there and what can you do about it? So in, in the case that I just described, if there's no reason for it, if the person's doing everything they can to try to make you feel safe and loved and all that, and you're still experiencing this jealousy, you really have to look within yourself. And do the inner work. Yes. So number 10 uh, is really good the way that it's laid out because um, we were just talking about jealousy. And have a really bad behavior is to constantly check each other's mobile <sighs> devices. Uh. And not just because you're like, oh, that's the one that's right there and you want to grab because that's sometimes what I do with Kevin. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to check something like because I want to see something online, you know. But like literally going through their messages, checking their emails and stuff. This is such a bad behavior. It does not displace trust. So one thing that we have is uh, we actually have each other's passwords. I mean, I have access to anything that you have. You have the same for me, um, but we we don't use it. But knowing that we have this, there's a trust and a safety around that. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of problems with this. Is that even if the person has nothing to hide, one, it shows a lack of trust, mm-hmm. which is what you just said. And two, it can actually cause quite a few arguments or disagreements for no reason. In other words, somebody's jealous and they suspect something, even though they might not have any reason to suspect anything. Well, then they go in the person's phone and they start looking for something to find, Mm -hmm. right? And if you're looking for something, you're probably going to find something that's going to piss you off, whether it's a comment somebody made on on another woman's Facebook post, like Mm -hmm. a simple comment, like Mm -hmm. it could be, wow, you look beautiful in that picture. And like they were thinking of it totally innocently. Mm -hmm. But because the person is experiencing jealousy, Mm -hmm. they're going through your phone, they're in your Facebook account, they see this. Now all of a sudden they go, what is this? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What, What did you mean by that? Right. And now you're instantly starting confrontation, even though it had nothing to do with anything. Mm-hmm. The lesson here is like, do not have this behavior when you're feeling emotionally unstable. Like, really don't. Because like, you know, like Kevin was saying with studies, and when they're trying to do certain uh, experiments with science, they literally have shown that if you have an intent, it can manipulate the outcome. Oh, absolutely. So if you do have the intent of finding something bad about your partner, you will find something. I guarantee you. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the government. If they want to try to find that you did something wrong, they, they'll, they'll find, find it. something. They'll yes. find, if they dig deep enough, they'll find some obscure some... thing somewhere you didn't even know existed, and they'll find it. Right? It's very similar. A number eleven is about we we named it the bad arguing techniques, and <laughs> and really, for lack of a better term, <laughs> and really, like where it comes down to that is that it doesn't matter what you argue about; it's how you do it. There are times where you will disagree, but it's how you do it. Most people have a really bad pattern when they argue. They first they will. They will go silent. They'll stop all communication. So they, they'll scream at each other. They'll stop all communication. Then they disappear. They ghost each other. So nothing is resolved. There's all these emotions that are boiling and unresolved. And then they start to put label. You did this. You're rude. You're this. You're that. And then it's a black and white that I was right and you were wrong. There are so many. First of all, the yelling. Right. Rather than just having a conversation like two mature adults, Mm -hmm. there's the yelling, there's the accusations, 
there's the silent treatment, mm-hmm. right? I mean, then the, the list goes on and on. And, and I think the point that we want to make here is not so much going through all the different bad arguing techniques, but to say that if you have a disagreement, you need to approach that disagreement like two mature, rational, emotionally stable adults. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that's harder to do uh, than, than, you know, it is to say, like, oh, sure, it's easy to say you can just do that, but what if when the emotions are flying? Yeah, but that's where you have to take responsibility and you have to get those emotions under control, mm-hmm. right? And learn to communicate like an adult because mm-hmm. here's the thing. What happens very often in these situations is you have an initial argument, right? You have something you're disagreeing about, but your poor arguing techniques actually take that one thing and expand it into a bunch more things, mm-hmm. right? Because, oh, I didn't like the way you said that to me, mm-hmm. right? Now it's no longer just about the one thing you were arguing about. Now it's about the way you argued about it. And then it's like, well, you did that to me four years ago. And then, oh, and my dad used to do that to me. So ultimately, it's about all your own unresolved things that you still haven't dealt with. There's a saying, too, that says, don't do something permanently damaging because you are temporarily upset. Remember that most of our emotions are very fleeting and short-lived. And so it's much better to say, I'm triggered. I'm going to take a little bit of time off and we'll talk again in a few minutes or in a few hours than to try to fix something or argue or prove a point while you are overheated. Yeah, and, and the original thing that you were arguing about may be able to be resolved or forgotten about forever. But the damage you did in the way that you argued mm-hmm. is going to probably last forever. Mm-hmm. So don't do that. <laughs> and then our last behaviors, and I'm sure there are more, but... Yeah, this is not an exhaustive <laughs> list. I, honestly, we were writing this list down. We started off with just like the first four or five things were just things we've observed in the last month. Uh-huh. Just stuff that's come mm-hmm. up in, in our... In our you know, Worlds. hanging out with friends, cl- mm-hmm. working with clients, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Then we stopped and we thought about, okay, what else can we add to the mm-hmm. list? Then, as we always do, we went and did some research, you know, to find what do other people think. Mm-hmm. And at some point we went, this list is going to be so long, we just have to cap it here. <laughs> because I could have kept adding and adding and adding. There's so many examples of bad behaviors. So um, the last but not least that we've got for today for you is about breaking boundaries. And that is so, so crucial. Um, I think it comes down again like to the trust part that we were talking about. But boundaries are... What make your relationship safe? And if you have an agreement and if there are boundaries in place, don't just go pretend they're not there. Honor those. The more you break boundaries, the less likely your, your relationship will survive. Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as this. If you break boundaries, you break trust. Yes. It's period. And if right? trust is broken, sometimes you cannot mend it back. Yeah. For some people, it happens. We just heard a story like this this weekend. And so for some, you can rebuild it. And for others, it's the end. Yeah, I know. Actually, we probably should put this one at the top of the list because you're right. This one came literally from a conversation Mm -hmm. that we had about a married couple. And one of them broke a very important boundary Mm -hmm. and it ended up in divorce. Absolutely. Because she never could feel safe again in the relationship. And he wasn't willing to give her what she needed. If you're the one who breaks a boundary, because we're human and it can happen, you must be willing to do what it takes to 
let the other person feel safe again in the relationship. And that might mean do a little bit more than you would want to do, but listen to that and rebuild that. We talked about this when we had um, uh, some some guests on our show, Debbie, um, and uh, ooh, it's, the episode is coming out of my mind right now, but we had, we've talked in previous shows on what to do and repairing relationships. Oh, we, did, we do have yes. an episode about that, mm-hmm. about how to fix uh, relationships if you've broken mm-hmm. boundaries. Here's the thing. If you have, a, for, well, okay, first of all, you need to set boundaries. It's very important because you don't know if you've broken a boundary if you never actually communicated what your boundaries are. So step one in a relationship is communicate what your boundaries are. Mm -hmm. Step two is keep the damn boundaries, (laughs) right? Otherwise, why bother with setting the boundary, right? And here's the thing. If a boundary doesn't work for you to the point where you feel like you need to break it, Mm -hmm. then you need to renegotiate the boundary Mm -hmm. before you break it. Absolutely. So um, just to tie this loose end, it was episode 89 with Greg and Debbie Lambert. And we talked about secrets to a great relationship. And we they talked about some of those things and how to uh, to rebuild some of the trust too. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Thanks for looking that up. <laughs> At 106 episodes, I can't remember which no. episode was what and who. <laughs> can't keep up with all of this, but they're all good. So you should listen to all of the episodes. Um, At some point, we're going to have to hire somebody that's like off camera who's looking up all the things that we talk about and telling us in our ear you know like, yeah. like all like all the pros have absolutely <laughs> at some point we will get there so now that you have a better understanding about what to look for take a hard look at yourself it's never fun when you realize that you're doing some of the behaviors but it's better to catch yourself doing something quote-unquote wrong uh be like then continuing to do something that's not going to serve you in the long term so dedicate yourself to having a thriving passionate relationship and make the changes necessary to keep that going for the long time absolutely well said And that is all the time we have for this episode. So we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>